in that for me. This morning, we are going to be talking about the, the theme and the idea of prayer. And one of the reasons why we're doing this is because many of our, our, our church, we're about to jump into a, a life group series called The Circle Maker. And this uh, came from this idea of drawing circles. And so the part of this reason why we're going to have this sermon is to talk about this to kind of kick off those people who are in our small groups. But if you're not in a small group, that's okay. I hope and trust that this will be a blessing to you as well. The idea of circle makers came from a story from uh, the Jewish collection of stories called the Talmud. And it is about a guy named Honi. The people of Israel were desperate for rain. And so uh, out of desperation, they went outside the community to find this wise old sage of an individual who lived outside the community. It seems as if most wise people live outside of the community. Have you guys noticed that? Uh, but he was out there. They went to him and said, um, Honey, would you please pray for rain? And so he got his staff. He drew a circle in the sand. And he got to his knees and began to pray very bold prayers. Saying, God, I will not leave this circle until you bring forth rain. And the people were taken back by his boldness of his prayers. But surely, uh, clouds began to roll in, and trickles of rain began to fall. The people were amazed, and Honey began to pray, Lord, this is not the type of rain for which I pray, but the type of rain that fills the cisterns and the wells and provides life for your people. And the clouds got darker, and the rain got heavier, so much so that the people were frightened and fled. Honey still, in that circle, continued to pray, God, this is not the type of rain for which I pray, but the type of rain that speaks of your gentle mercy. And the clouds began to part to some degree, and this nice, beautiful, steady rain began to fall. And the people are taken back by this experience, by the boldness of Honey's prayers, and even the spiritual leaders of that day. They weren't sure what to do with it, because they didn't feel comfortable with that type of bold prayers to God, yet they couldn't quite get rid of them, because God seemed to answer his prayers. So they, they were left with this. Now, a, uh, a pastor by the name of Mark Batterson out of Washington, D.C., he read this story and he was struck by it, by this idea of being so bold as to draw circles around the things in the life that you hold the most dear and to be able to take your request to the Lord. And so he had this idea of, what if I began to draw circles around my biggest fears in life, the biggest dreams I have, the people and the places and the promises that I need to hold on to. And he was planning a church at this time in Washington, D.C., and he felt compelled to actually march a circle around D.C. where he was planning this church. And he went on this three-hour-long walkabout, this prayer walk. And what was interesting is that he was doing this, some time passed, and God began to do unique things. He, the church actually began to to meet in a place that was along that pathway. The church grew and it, they overtook a crack house and made it into a coffee shop and it just so happened to be along that pathway, the route that he was praying circles. And he felt just really compelled by this idea of what if we were to do this more in our life? What if we were to be people who were boldly praying circles together? It's easy to think of stories in the Bible where this happened. We for me, the most obvious one is the story of Jericho, where Joshua was called by God to lead God's people into the promised land. He went by it once as a spy, but the other spies, other than 
Joshua and one other, they had a trouble in trusting in the goodness of God. And so they went back in the desert to, to relearn trust in God. So Joshua led the people, and you know the story. They marched around the, the city walls for six days in silence following the ark. And on the seventh day, the trumpets blew, the people shouted, the walls came down, and God gave them the city. This idea of walking in circles, circling the promises that God has given each of us, circling our needs that God, is, God has before us. This idea of drawing circles is something that I want to talk about this morning. Many, many years after that experience in the same very city, we find our scripture reading for today. This comes from Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 35, in the very same city of Jericho, Jesus was walking around. Listen now to the word of the Lord. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting on, by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the word of the Lord. If you would allow your imagination to paint this picture a little bit, you would imagine this man who is blind at his corner. The people in the community knew of him, just like we know the people in the corners of our city. And this was his corner. Perhaps the only thing that was familiar to this individual was the pathway from wherever he put his head down at night to the corner and the familiarity of just begging. Yet on this day, commotion was heard from afar. And using the sense that God still allowed him to have, he was able to hear began to ask about this. What's all this commotion? What's going on here? And they mentioned the name Jesus. Jesus is coming by. It's easy to see, perhaps, why a man who is blind might have an ear for this. When you are, when you are blind and you're sitting by the road, I'm sure you hear many conversations coming by. You pick up on things. And I'm sure he picked up, through some time, stories of this man named Jesus who might be the Messiah or in their terms, the son of David. And he began to hear of this, being hearings of the stories of Jesus who began to teach with authority. And for him, what stood out was, this man named Jesus can also bring healing to people. And his ears perked up. So on this day, when he heard the crowd coming towards him, he found out that Jesus was on the way. Perhaps he mustered up his strength. And with a loud voice, began to plead for Jesus not to pass him by. Mercy. He cried out for mercy. The people there in that community, they told him to be quiet, perhaps because he was the eyesore. Whenever someone great comes into your community, you just try to make everything perfect, right? For all of us, we experience it. Whenever you have guests come over, it doesn't matter, matter how many candles you have burning, something bad will happen, right? Something will fall apart. And for them, perhaps they had Jesus finally come through the city of Jericho, and they wanted it perfect, and all of a sudden, this nuisance began to pipe up. 
Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. They tried to give him a quiet. But because of his boldness, he was not going to be quieted. Because of, because of his need, he made his request known. Perhaps it's because the simple reality in the darkness that he was able to have in front of them, the darkness that cloaked around him, when the name Jesus was spoken, a spark of hope lit up. And perhaps he made a promise to himself, if Jesus were to ever come by me, nothing is going to stop me from making my needs known to him. It doesn't matter what, what's going to stop me. I'm going to make my, my needs known to Jesus and just see what he can do. So on this day, they tell him to be quiet. But what does he do? He gets louder. He just invokes them. And so Jesus asked them to, them to bring him to him. And Jesus asked them a question. What do you want? So what do you want? What do you want for me to do for you? This question is honestly kind of hard for us to wrestle with. If you were to encounter Jesus today, and he would ask you, so what do you want? What do you want out of me? What do you want from me? What do you want out of this life? How would you respond? For me, I think oftentimes we're, we're half-hearted, we're half-minded, we're distracted by a lot of different things. For me, oftentimes, I walk into a room in my house and get there and go, well, I have no clue why I'm here. Why did I walk in here? I forget from the time walking from one part of my house to the other, and it's not a big house, why, what I really wanted. And I think in life, we can do that as well. From walking from one part of our life to another, we might get distracted and wonder what we truly want. But this man, he knew what he wanted. He knew exactly what he wanted. So he was able to say, Jesus, I want to see. I got no other backup plans. I got nothing else. If you pass me by, I believe I'll be blind the rest of my life. But I know that you can heal me. Can I see? Can you give me sight? And Jesus said in verse 42, Receive your sight, for your faith has healed you. When was faith shown? I think it was shown in the boldness, in the refusal to be quiet. Faith was shown on him just making his request known. And Jesus lifted him up. The person who was perhaps low on the totem pole, who was blind perhaps in their point of view by something he did or something his parents did, Jesus lifted him up and said, your faith has healed you. And he received his sight on that day. And I love it. And what does he immediately do? He praised God and he followed Jesus. And everyone around him, again, praising God as well. You see, bold declarations and making our petitions known to the Lord brings about incredible opportunity for God to do something unique. What would have happened on that day if this blind man would have kept silent? I believe that he would have been blind the rest of his life. I think that would have been his state. But God responds to the faith and desperation of God's people. Now, I know some of us have a knee-jerk reaction to this idea of, if I just circle it, I know that God will do something. Uh, you know, there's other series that have happened that made popular in Christian culture that seem to speak of that. And you could see how that could go to ridiculous ends. If I just circle something long enough, God will give it to me. Right now, I see in the parking lot, people are circling your cars. May God, I just pray that you would give me this car. 
you know, your, your, your youth, if they're listening, you, youth, go home and circle your parents' checkbook and just see what happens. Be bold. You know, it's obvious that this could, this, there could be rich folly in this idea. If we just circle something long enough, it will be ours. But I don't really think that that's the culture of our church. We're, our church is not on the, the brink of name it and claim it type theology, where we believe just by speaking the name of Jesus, we can have whatever we want. I think the thing that we struggle with is the opposite end. Truly believing that something happens when God's people pray earnestly together. I think that's the part of, of this church culture that God wants to grow, is the belief that God is alive and active and responds to God's people. I think that's where God wants us to grow. My prayer is through, through this series for you, you guys in your small group, that you could grow in your belief that God is alive and powerful today. And for us to be earnest in our prayers and to push each other towards prayer. You know, as Presbyterians, we don't have the corner on the market in all things Christian. We need people to res- remind us re- to reinvoke imagination of what God can do. And that's why I love having people like Mark Batterson, this maybe charismatic church out of D.C., speak to us. Why? Because we need them. <laughs> we need them to just reinvoke. God, what are you up to today? God, can you, do, can you still do miracles today? And for us to be pushed towards believing in that. But here, there is a problem. There is a problem with this idea. And something if I were to have the opportunity to interact with, uh, with this author, I'd ask him about. Is the issue that happens that for some of us, it doesn't matter how long we stay in that circle, sometimes things don't change. Sometimes things don't change, it doesn't matter how long we stay in the circle. For many of us, We've been planted in a circle for years, and things haven't changed. And this can lead to such a great source of pain for us. The source of pain is in two different areas. Either one, God is not either alive or good. If God is alive, why wouldn't God intervene? Why didn't God respond to this? God, either I want to know if you're alive, then why don't you hear this? And the other source of pain is if God responds to bold prayers in extreme faith and, and things don't change, perhaps maybe my faith is too weak. Maybe God would respond if I was more faithful, if I suffered more, if I, if I sinned less, maybe then God would. So when things go badly in our life, perhaps it was our own fault. My child, if I would have prayed more, maybe my child would have been fully safe. Maybe if I would have prayed more, this person would have been healed. And you can see how this is a great source of pain for many of us. That's the, that's the mystery part of prayer. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? For many of us, we've prayed and prayed and prayed. We've stayed in the circle. And the cancer returns. Dementia continues to take away the loved one from in front of our face. A child continues to return to addiction. And we're just left in this circle with a lot of questions, a lot of frustration. So what do we do then? What do we do then? Just as a sense of pastoral care, I just want to share with you four things. What to do when the rain doesn't come. This is from my own life. I'm sure there's many of you who are 
much more wisdom that you could add to this, but what do we do when the rain doesn't come? First thing I would share is don't trust your emotions. When things like that happen, you enter into seasons, you are going to feel empty and disparaging, and that's okay. Don't deny those emotions, but don't put your trust in them. God's presence does not equate a good mood. And the opposite's also the case. Going through suffering does not equate God's absence. It's a part of the human condition. So don't deny the fact that you are despairing or sorrowful. I don't want to say Christians have to be up the whole time. When we come to church, always up. Because the reality is that's not our life. And so it's okay. Be honest with your, uh, be, don't trust your emotions, but also don't tr- deny them. Remember the goodness of God. In those moments when you don't trust your emotions, just remember the goodness of God. For me, there have been times in my life when I've gone through my own issues where even though I don't feel it, I have to remember the goodness of God. All right, God, I know you've seen me through. I know you've seen me through this. All right, then I'm going to press into the belief that you're going to see me through this, this also. So the first thing is don't trust your emotions. Second thing, be honest with God. I'm so thankful for the Psalms in the book of Lamentations, for God's word that gives us full permission to be honest with God. I'll, I'll always remember Ron Ragsdale, you, you preached a sermon some years back, and you chose like the darkest of all dark psalms, and you preached from it. And I, it, was, it was a gift. The reason why it's a gift is because sometimes we don't have the courage to pray the prayers that are considered God's holy word. And it's as if God wanted for us to have permission to be able to enter all of ourselves into a conversation with God, to take all of who we are and all that we're struggling with and bring it to God. God knew that we would need these hard words. He knew that we would need these psalms so that we could press into God and be honest with him. I heard someone say recently, it's better to shake your fist at God than to turn your back. And I just think that God is, God is big enough for our honesty. It's not until we walk fully into the light that God might completely do his healing work. So first, don't trust your emotions. Second, be honest with God. Thirdly, remember you're in good company. One of the pictures that I carry with me personally when I walk into a time of suffering is I carry the picture of Jesus in the garden. Just alone with his garden, preparing to be marched into the cross. He can almost see them coming towards him in the garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus on his knees uses the most affectionate word you could use for a father and says, Daddy, please take this away. If there's any way you can take this away. But not my will, but yours be done. We're in good company. Suffering doesn't happen because we're not faithful people. Suffering happens because it's a part of the human experience. We're in good company. I I remind myself even of Paul when he prayed prayed and pleaded for God to take away that thorn. And he and he said, three times, I've prayed that, that this would be taken from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Godly people have prayers that go unanswered or answered in directions you don't want. So you're in good company if that happens. And fourth thing we can do when the rain doesn't come is we continue to pray, press into prayer, and more importantly, to press into relationship. Perhaps one of the greatest ways that these sorrowful times are redeemed is by pressing into relationship, we actually get to see more of God and more of Christ. 
For me, in my own life, I know that's been the case. I have experienced intimacy with Jesus that I had never experienced in comfort and ease. But when I went through sorrowful times, I saw Jesus in a new light. And would I, would I give back all those lessons so I get my loved one back? Yep, I would. I miss my, you know, I miss my friend. I miss, I miss, I wish that he could be back with his family. But God is redeeming it. God is redeeming it. One of the greatest things that we can have happen in those times of just having, pressing into prayer and not having the response that we see Jesus more. For this blind man, what was the first thing he saw? What was the first thing he saw from the canvas of darkness? The first thing he saw was the face of his creator saying, your faith has healed you. That's the greatest thing that could happen in those moments. Because everyone whom Jesus healed, they all went undone. The blind man one day couldn't see anymore when he died. Lazarus was raised from the dead. He would die once again too. The true miracle happens when we see and experience Jesus more and more and more. So we press into these prayers, even when rain doesn't come. We press into a relationship with Jesus, and we wrestle it. Friends, I just want to encourage us all to just be bold with our prayers. If Jesus were to come to you and ask you, what, what do you want? What would you say? What are you ready to circle? For those in the, the small groups and for the rest of you, I'd encourage you to take on a 21-day challenge. This is something we're going to do uh, we're going to take on a 21-day challenge where we're going to be specific with what we're going to circle in our life, that we're going to pray for. We're going to be dedicated and devoted to pray for. It could be a time. I'm sorry, it could be a person, a place, a problem, or a promise from God that you want to circle. Be specific on that. Be specific. Sometimes I feel like my prayers uh, don't, aren't as effective because I'm just kind of praying generals. Like I used to pray, God, thank you for this house that you've given us. I pray that you would use it. And there was a time where I felt I need to be more specific, and I started praying. Uh, God, we have this guest room that are, is used about four weekends out of the year. What do you want to do with this room? Jen and I were praying, God, what do you want to do with our guest room? This was about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. And because of we were praying through that, when a friend of mine came to me and said, I'm getting a divorce, our money's all tied up with her account, I don't have anything. Because we were praying for that, I could easily say, we've been praying for you to be able to move in with us. We would love for you to stay with us for a while. And it was such an awesome experience for Jen and I to be able to welcome and love on our friend. I don't know if I would have made that invitation if I hadn't been praying specifically about it. What are you circling in your life? What, do you, what can you specifically circle in prayer for these next 21 days? Jen and I, we're, we're continuing that same kind of prayer right now. Uh, for us in our life plan and with our family, that kind of thing, when Dylan was going to be big enough to graduate from her crib in her nursery room, we had this big girl room ready. And our plan was by the time that she was going to graduate, we we're going to have another kid ready for that. You know, because we all have our lives so planned out. And... It's just not happening like we had planned. So now what are we doing? We're, we're praying for that nursery. God, what do, you, what do you want to do with this nursery? You want us to have another kid? You want us to adopt? What do you want to do? And it's taking this place and actually creating a sense of adventure. God, we believe that you respond and you're alive and you're active. So we're going to be looking for you. What, what adventure do you have in store for this little nursery here? We're going to spend the next 20 days, we're going to be praying for that. 
Some of you guys are going to need a circle of promise. For me, I'm, right now I'm circling. Jesus claimed to be the good shepherd. That's, my, that's what I'm circling. God, would you, lead, would you lead us? Would you lead this church? Would you lead me? Would we be receptive to hearing your voice and follow you regardless? For me, that's, that's my 21-day challenge I'm doing. What, what could you guys do? What might you want to circle in your own life? Really want to encourage you guys to, to uh, respond to that. Choose a time and a place so you can pray, be daily about it, and it just might, you might build up a rhythm or routine with that. You know, for us on All Saints Day, one of the things that we might need to consider is circling those loved ones who have gone before us and giving them to the Lord. It's about us spending time and saying, God, thank you for the life that you gave in front of us with these saints. And I just want to give them back to you. So I'm, I'm very grateful for this day being All Saints Day so that we can be able to respond and, and press into boldness and relationship with God together. We can be able to turn to the Lord with the people who have gone before us and say, God, I just want to press into you. I want to thank you for this life. So we're now going to turn into a time of remembrance. So we'll consider the people whom in our own church and in, in your life.